everyone's thinking about wellness these days, especially in the workplace. But what will really make a difference? Access to mental wellness resources, better communication tools, more paid time off, a positive culture? This episode, we're going to give you a roadmap for ways to create a better environment at work, whether you're an employee, a manager, or in a leadership role. Let's jump in. Welcome to Conversations with Kelly, where we take a deep dive into topics that are important to the business community. I'm Kelly Basil with the Delaware State Chamber of Commerce, and today we're going to be talking about well-being in the workplace. With me today, I have Dr. Heather Farley, Chief Wellness Officer at Christiana Care, and I also have Jackie Catalano. Did I say that right? You did. <laughs> um, Director of Facilities Management and Site Services at AstraZeneca. Thanks so much for being here with me. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, before we take a deep dive into this, we are going to have a quick word from our sponsor. The Conversations with Kelly podcast is powered by Easter Seals Delaware and Maryland's Eastern Shore, and they're marking a huge milestone, their 75th anniversary. Easter Seals is celebrating 75 years of creating an inclusive community, 75 years of first steps for children, independence for adults with disabilities, and support for seniors and their families. Easter Seals is celebrating 75 years of a legacy ensuring a future where everyone is 100% included and 100% empowered. And they're just getting started. Happy anniversary to Easter Seals Delaware and Maryland's Eastern Shore. To learn more or donate, visit de.easterseals.com. That's de.easterseals.com. Before we get started, I do want to just give you both a moment to talk about who you are and what you do for your respective companies. Heather, will you go first? Sure. So I'm Heather Farley. I'm an emergency physician by training and the chief wellness officer at Christiana Care. So in that role, I oversee our Center for Work-Life Wellbeing, and our mission in the center is to foster work-life meaning, connection, and joy. So that is, uh, we oversee all of the um, efforts to improve the environment for our caregivers and improve their caregiver experience and create an environment where they can flourish. And that has to be such a huge responsibility, especially after the last few years that we've been going through. Absolutely. The last three years, I think for all of us, uh, have been challenging on an individual basis for uh, and for teams, for organizations, for our community as a whole. But as we know, it's particularly challenging in the healthcare environment. Yeah. Well, you're doing really great work. <laughs> Jackie? Yes, I'm Jackie Catalano. I am Director of Facilities Management, um, Site Services, Safety, Health, and Environment for AstraZeneca, the Wilmington site, and also support our field, our 5,000 field sales representatives as well. And my job um, is one, to run the site, mm -hmm. run the entire uh, campus, but also make sure that it is a great place to work. So making sure that all of our employees feel connected, um, have resources there at the site for mental health, for just having a great experience when they come to the workplace mm -hmm. and also out into the field because they are a little bit separated, that they, they, they know that they have a home base. Oh. And how many people are at your site? So we have around 1,300 employees um, in Wilmington. We have around 200 what we call um, OSPs, those that are there at the site with us. Um, so we probably on a daily basis have around 14 to 1,500 people on the site. A lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> At the chamber, there's nine of us. So <laughs> very different. Very different. <laughs> um, okay. Well-being at work. What does that mean? Why is it important? Who wants to take it? 
Yeah, I, I think it's actually incredibly difficult to uh, to define well-being at work specifically, and I think it means different things to different people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the misconceptions around well-being at work is that um, it's so focused on mental health diagnoses mm-hmm. traditionally, and so you know, uh, helping people get the services that they need if they're suffering from depression or anxiety or substance use. Uh, but it is so much more than that, and uh, I think that. The pandemic has actually brought that into to more clarity for people, um, knowing that they um, they need more support at work, and that it's actually not just about supporting those mental health dis, um, mental health conditions. It's about creating that environment mm-hmm. where you can thrive at work. And so there's and that's so multifactorial. And I know we'll we'll dive into that in a little bit more detail. We definitely I think, later will in the, in the show. I, and do you kind of agree with that? No, definition? No, I totally or? agree. I think there's to your point. I think that stigma of mental health, but there's just so much more. And the pandemic, without a doubt, brought that up to a high level when we just think about what's happening in the economy, mm-hmm. what's the gas prices, food prices, what's going on in the workplace, what's going on at home, and then how all that all comes together and how we help our employees through that. And starting those discussions, I think, is what's very important right now. And what does it mean to prioritize well-being for your employees. As you kind of already alluded, Heather, um, it's so much more than just making sure they get the services they need. Um, What can employers do to help their employees succeed? So, I, I mean, I think if, if as an organization, you're going to say that you have a commitment to the health and well-being of your employees, that right. you actually have to make that part mm-hmm. of your strategic plan and something that you are committing to, something that you're measuring, tracking, and holding yourself accountable first, accountable for, first and foremost. And then I think, um, just getting back to the, the previous question around what does that look like, um, I think traditionally people have uh, attempted to put most of their efforts into the personal well-being of their employees. So helping them to eat better, you know, giving them advice around how to eat better, nutrition counseling, um, you know, physical fitness and, and more personal mental health. But there's a, an analogy I often use when I talk about this and it's the canary in the coal mine. So you mm-hmm. can't take the canary, teach it to be more resilient, stick it back in the same coal mine and expect it to survive. Right? Right. You actually have to change the coal mine. Mm-hmm. So trying to get your individual employees to be more well individually, it's important, but it's not the total package. What's actually much more impact, impactful from an organizational standpoint is impacting the environment around them. So mm-hmm. creating a culture of well-being and actually also a place that runs efficiently uh, as we know that um, that inefficiencies in the workplace are also a huge driver of dissatisfaction and, um, and, and stress. And stress, <laughs> yes, exactly. But I think over the last few years, this has become extremely challenging to your point is we ask employees to come back. So some some employees, I imagine a lot of healthcare had to come in. Oh yeah. A lot of us are facing where you could do a lot of work remote and now we're asking them to come back in or we've been asking them to come back in. And to your point, these priorities have all shifted. So it's not just creating that safe culture. How do we really continue that conversation? It is ever changing and it's been ever changing for the past three, four years now, since the beginning of the pandemic till now. How do we, you have to lead that culture mm-hmm. and, and show that you're definitely invested into it, which I don't know that we do that well, not AstraZeneca. I think we, we're doing a very good job of it, but I think as a culture, are we doing well, realizing all of these other stresses that employees are, are on their shoulders right now, and then asking them to come to work and do a great job and, you know, have this performance level up here. 
we have to realize this balance. It's mm-hmm. always been a work-life balance issue. It's just so much more exaggerated. What are some examples? So I mean, you're both basically saying practice what you preach, but what are some examples of that? What are some of the things that you're doing specifically around creating this kind of culture, mm-hmm. you know, helping work-life balance? I'm just curious. First of all, I'm going to jump in and say um, I, I fundamentally hate the word or the phrase work-life balance. <laughs> I think that it's aspiring yep. to something that's impossible. Oh. <laughs> so, um, it, you know, that's my personal pet peeve there. Um, I prefer the like work-life integration or work-life harmony. Okay. Um, because I think the balance is something that is just impossible to attain and it sets you, sets people up for failure. Yeah. But um I think one of the, you know, I talked about creating a a culture of Mm well-being. And so what does that look like? I think one of the aspects of that is creating um, a a culture of safety. So both physical safety and psychological safety Mm -hmm. for employees. Um, It's an environment where employees feel empowered uh, to that their voice is taken into account um, Mm -hmm. in the decisions that impact their, their work and their life. Um, it means having a, a sense of uh, a esprit de corps and camaraderie on a team. Um, and uh, we also know that having choice and control uh, are, or an autonomy are big uh, drivers of well-being. So, um, and there's so many ways that you can do this, but these are some of the, the sort of big categories. And right. I guess I would say finally um, – the, the connection to meaning and purpose is huge. And that's become even bigger, I think, for people as they've reexamined the role that work has in their life. And they want to feel like we're putting so much time into our work. It should be meaningful. So it should be doing something that I um, that is towards a greater purpose. Um, so how can you help people find what that is for them and do a little bit of job crafting so they can get just a little bit more of that? So. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that sense of belonging has become really important in the last few years. I'm, it's always been important, but it's definitely become more of a priority for people when they're looking uh, for somewhere new yeah. to work or if they're choosing to stay. Um, and so an employer helping kind of share that that vision and mission and, and then make them feel like they're a part of achieving that is is so important. Agreed. I think also... Having an, uh, to your point, an environment where you come into. So one of the things I think employers are starting to realize now is the change of what the, what the whole workplace looks like, Mm -hmm. that they do have a choice now. Mm -hmm. It is not going to an office and sitting behind a desk, but you have from a wellness whole strategy that the entire office is all built around wellness. So you don't have to sit at the same desk. You have the ability to get up and move around these unallocated seatings, these more open, more light, not being tied down to a desk every day, I think is also something that's really important that as you come into the workforce or back into the office, not to be backed into what we left, Mm -hmm. but you're back into a more of an open environment, what people enjoyed when they did go home. They had their living room, they had their kitchens, and our offices are starting to resemble that a little bit more to give people that ability to get up, move around, have that sense of wellness throughout the day. It's not sitting and being plugged in, but actually getting around, collaborating, having that human interaction mm-hmm. and experience again. I think that's very important for Those people. Are great points. Like, you know, building on what we know are human needs right. for us to, to thrive, right? And so one of them is that human connection. So how do you design a workplace that actually makes it easier for people to connect? And it's so much more important now than ever, particularly given the hybrid environments yes. that we're in. And then I think, you know, the other piece around that is um, that how, understanding how our brains work too. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
respecting that when we are in the workplace. So um, we need micro breaks. So we can't work eight, 10, 12 hours straight at peak performance. We our brains are, you know, we're, we're much more effective and productive if we have micro breaks and mm-hmm. we don't see that as a sign of weakness, but it's something that we need to build in to be maximally productive. So like, how do you build that into your work day? You know, maybe you have, rather than the company culture is that we have hour long meetings or half hour long meetings, the, it becomes the norm is 25 minute meetings and 50 minute meetings. So you build in that break between the, all of those zoom calls back to back so that you can actually, you know, go grab a snack, go to the restroom, return a text about your kid's school, right, right, whatever yeah. that is. Well, and I think too, it's not all like one size fits all, you know, every individual within a company has kind of different needs. Um, and you know, needs some person, people need to step away for that 10 minutes, mm-hmm. other people, they need their lunch break. And so, you know, being able to be flexible as an employer and let people have what they need in order to perform, um, recognizing that's pretty big. I'll tell you, I, uh, the whole back-to-back meeting thing, uh, it's getting exhausting. Um, so I'm my, my 2023 thing, um, no meeting Thursdays, my whole calendar on Thursday is blocked. I have no meetings. I've only done it a couple of times so far, but it's been wonderful. So you need that time. I think to like take a deep dive into projects sometimes and to, if you're back to back meetings all the time, you don't have time to think, you don't have time to strategize and you don't have time to connect with other people. Yeah. It's extremely stressing that way. And I do what you said about flexibility, I think is also something that employers have to really focus on as we're back into the workplace more and what, and flexibility looks so different for whatever type of role you're in. Um, is it flexible that you just want to be able to put your children on the bus in the morning because you feel better about seeing them off right. than going in? And that means your day starts a little bit later, or is it that you need to leave a little earlier? Is it that you need that lunch break in between? Is it that you want to work from home for a few hours just for the like heads down, get my emails done, then go in mm-hmm. for the human interaction? It looks different. I think that's what the challenge I think is employers are trying to figure out what that flexibility looks like and how to accommodate everybody to your point in your workforce. We're all not the same. We all have different needs, different wants. And how do they get that across? It's a hard message to land. It's a really hard strategy. Well, and it's very much in demand right now by employees. As you mentioned, there's a lot of choices out there for people. They can very easily go to another company who will give them that. Um, and that really wasn't the culture prior to the pandemic. And now employers are like, oh, man, like I need to make my employees happy. So this is really important. Yeah, it is. And it's a differentiator for companies, I think, who do that well. Yeah, and it's almost a, a return on investment to the company when you do right by your employees. You know, happier people have higher productivity, more collaboration. You treat them with dignity. They want to come to work. That's right. Um, you know, there are things that help the business in the end by focusing on your people. Yeah. Agreed. And that's such, so well said. We have lots of conversations around what's the ROI on doing this. And Mm -hmm. some of it is a return on investment, but some of it is a VOI of the value of the investment. And to some extent, this is number one, just the right thing to do as human beings that we need to take care of one another. And it doesn't cost a ton of money to do some of these things that can create that environment that supports our employees' well-being. So Mm -hmm. it's the right thing to do. And there is an ROI as well. Uh, you know, as you so eloquently said that we know when our, when employees have a better experience and they're engaged mm-hmm. and um, they feel supported, they are more productive uh, and, uh, and more creative. So you're both from larger businesses um, and there are people dedicated to this. Um, what about a smaller business who, you know, also needs to think about these things, but, you know, there's people wearing more than one hat. 
So how can they help build this kind of a culture? It's a tough question. <laughs> well, I, I think there's, um, we're very fortunate, as you said, like we, we're a larger, a larger company. And so we can have a larger infrastructure, but I give, uh, you know, I give talks to, to org smaller organizations or people who are in smaller places all the time. And that mm -hmm. is a question I get is how can we do this if we don't have those resources? Right. And there are so many things that you can do that don't cost a lot of money. So, you know, one of the examples I think is, um, we talked about those micro breaks. Right. So building that in is one that doesn't cost <laughs> any money. That's a simple thing to do. Um, I think another example is helping to connect people to that meaning and purpose again. So mm -hmm. helping people do some of that job crafting so they feel like they have a bit more autonomy in how they spend their time um, and that they're doing more of what they find meaningful. And there's also ways that you can... Um, you can celebrate that for people. And so there's, uh, you know, another thing about our brains is that the negativity bias. So mm. um, we, our brains are hardwired to pay attention to the negative stuff. So we as leaders, one of our jobs is to make the positive stuff more sticky for our employees. So how do we pay attention to the things that go right and mm -hmm. recognize people and also, you know, show them how what they've done connects to a larger purpose. So one of the things that we do at Christiana Care is called the Thank You Project. So we bring patients and their families back to meet the caregivers who took care of them and to explain, um, you know, what the experience was like for them and the impact that these folks had mm -hmm. on their life. And, you know, it's so easy for it to just move on to the next patient and not know what happened. So it, it, um, usually when we have these events, they're incredibly emotional and impactful. And the, the caregivers, the nurses, the doctors, um, even our environmental services um, and nutrition people, we bring the whole team back in and they leave those events feeling like, oh my gosh, this is why I do what I do. Yeah, that has to be really inspiring yeah. to to have people come back and see that they're doing well after your hard work. And so I think that translates to, to smaller, um, you know, companies or cultures as well, where it's possible to, to get creative around mm -hmm. connecting people to the impact of what they do and um, making that positive stuff more sticky. Jackie, are there any unique things that you do at AstraZeneca? For employees, um, from a wellness perspective? Yeah. yeah, we do quite a bit. So to your point, we do um, a lot of, outside of the box. So we have plenty of HR um, benefits about our wellness and, and options, but non-traditional. We do have the nutritionist on site. We do have um, a wellness center. We do have a fitness center. Um, we have meditation breaks two times a day that you can either style into just to take that 10 minute micro break, mm -hmm. or they're already pre-recorded that you can go in at any time. Um, things as much mother's rooms that we have built just so that moms have a place to go when they come back to the workplace, talk about stress, coming back into the workplace from a mental health perspective, coming back, knowing that you have to juggle that additional, mm -hmm. um, we have places for them to go as well. Um, meditation rooms for folks that are not new mothers, but just need a place to go and get away from everybody. We do that. Um, we have that available as well and well, wellness coaching. So we do have a wellness coach on site daily with us as well that you can also utilize her services mm -hmm. or we have an EAP, one of our EAP uh, counselors come on site once a week as well on Tuesdays. What's EAP? Employee assistance yeah. program. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but I, I, I'm exactly what you just articulated is yeah. such a great example of going beyond just caring for the personal well-being. So yeah. it's, it's a, there's a big difference, I think, between saying here's the services 
go figure it out and actually bringing it, incorporating it into the culture and bringing it into the workplace. So the fact that you have those meditation times blocked in there and you have those services as part of the workplace, this is just how we do things here. You know, I think it is amazing. The apps are right there at your fingertips. We have the Healthy Minds app as well. So if you Mm -hmm. don't know where to go, we have a Microsoft Teams platform. You have the Healthy Minds app that's built into our platform. So if you're not familiar at all, what we do is just say, hit the Healthy Minds app. Everything comes up at your fingertips. So you know what's available, what you can utilize there at the site. Or if you're virtual out in the field, that you have the same opportunities virtually as you do on site. Mm Mm-hmm. And so another thing, you know, we're talking a lot about, you know, stuff at the workplace, but also, you know, when they go home at night, there's, you know, making sure we leave each other alone and respect our personal time. Um, I think that during the pandemic as well, you know, people were nonstop working. We were nonstop talking to each other because we had to. And now it's almost the norm that you're on call always. So remembering, you know, there's delayed delivery on your emails. Um, You know, you don't have to email someone at 10 p.m. at night. And, you know, what are some other things like that that we can help kind of respect people outside of work? Yeah, I think that's really important. That's a great example of the the work-life harmony piece. And I think also um, being a bit more uh, open-minded about what that looks like for Mm -hmm. different people. Um, so, you know, when you start talking about setting boundaries, some people um, may interpret that as, okay, I'm going to, you know, from eight to five, but don't, you know, I, there's no emailing, nothing after and getting pretty rigid about that. But for other people, you know, that flexibility is so important. Mm-hmm. So for some people, they may want to, you know, not start until 10 o'clock, but then they're going to be sending emails at 7 p.m. But, you know, so helping us have those conversations in the workplace about what that means and that, um, so setting boundaries that are appropriate yet flexible, mm-hmm. I think is the, that's the the needle we've got to thread, right? And it's, it's not an easy thing to do, but. It, well, and I, it, every company kind of has to write their own plan essentially, because as we've talked about, everyone is unique. And so there is no one size fits all solution for this. So got to think creatively. <laughs> but I think this is leadership. This is a lot of leadership and management training that we're all being trained on now of, of how to talk to our employees, how to understand what the boundaries are, right? We are all going through this new training mm-hmm. a little bit differently than we did in the past, because to your point, your, your data is right there at your fingertips at all times. Going back to a question you asked about small business, I think it's the same. I think when you look at smaller companies, leadership, owners, managers, just need to connect with their employees again. Mm-hmm. I think we got out of that. I think bad habits in the past that we did not realize that your employees are your assets. Mm-hmm. Many people did, but there was there, and now it's coming back. And and you have to. I think small businesses is very easy. My husband has a small business. You just need to connect to your employees. You need to understand what's important to them mm-hmm. and help them through certain things. Right. I think that connection. It all goes back to human connection, and I think that's why so much of mental health. Um, is such a factor right now because we forgot to connect. Mm. We're, we're even teens. I mean, if you look at kids now, it's really challenging. They're so used to their device, just talking to one another. I honestly think that human connection would help them so much more. Being back into school right. helps them so much more than over the over the pandemic when they were separated. You just start to see the change. I think people forget how much that human interaction. It doesn't means. have to be a Zoom. It can be a coffee. Yes. <laughs> And I think building on that, the um, 
that human connection is so important to going beyond employee assistance programs. So you mentioned, uh, you know, EAP and what we've learned is that EAP or employee assistance programs are not enough. Mm -hmm. We really need to do more. We talked about that environment piece, but also just even around when, you know, employees are struggling, um, it needs to be a much more proactive approach and leaders uh, are need to get a little bit more involved than they have in the past, appropriately so. Right. Uh, you know, one of the things that we've learned is um, that our our leaders needed more help in knowing how mm-hmm. to respond to employees who are struggling. So we just rolled out this year um, a program called Psychological First Aid Training for our leaders. So our goal this year is to have 50% of our people leaders trained in psychological first aid by the end of this fiscal year. It does not mean that we're just turning our leaders into counselors or therapists, but it means like this is real. This is happening. There's data out there that shows that it's 75% of employees are now suffering from symptoms of at least one mental health condition. So mm-hmm. it's out there, it's happening, whether you know it or not. And leaders need the skill and tools to right. recognize when someone's struggling struggling, respond effectively, and get them connected to the appropriate resources that exist in your organization. Programs like that, um, are those available to other businesses to take advantage of? Like, Where can businesses and employers look for training for their managers? There are companies, and I don't know what company you, you use. We use we have the same type of program. It's called Mental Health First Aiders. And again, it's the, the same type of program that our leadership should be going through so that they can recognize when somebody needs to be connected, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure there are companies out there. I'm sure we're probably using two different. So I know that we searched, we we have a, a contract with wellness coaches, so they were able to connect us with that program. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure who. We developed ours in-house. Yeah. Three of the psychologists that work for our Center for Work-Life Wellbeing developed the program in-house, and we're hoping to be able to share it uh, elsewhere, but it's been um, incredibly impactful to date, and we've gotten great feedback. So those yeah, are I the sort it. of things yeah. that I, I think bring um, employers to the next level Mm -hmm. of creating that truly supportive environment that decreases the barriers to help seeking in your organization. Definitely. Well, we're almost out of time. So I want to transition to our our last little segment that we're calling Convo Connection. Uh, just a little moment for us to give a shout out to someone or an organization in Delaware that's doing something really awesome. Heather, I'll let you go first. Sure. So if any if you know me at all, uh, I'm a huge animal lover, so uh, that's always on my radar screen. But there's a the National Wildlife Rehabilitators Association is having their annual symposium symposium at the Chase Center. So that's an event to to be on the lookout for. Um, you know, there's all of the the other uh, dogs and cats often get lots of attention, but maybe not the wildlife. So I'm going to plug for wildlife rehabilitation. Love that. And I am going to plug um, with AstraZeneca there in Fairfax. I'm going to plug the Avenue North campus. Um, Brandywine Investment Group is doing a a major development at the site. Um, The Brouhaha opened a few months ago um, and there is all the retail um, going up. So just a big shout out to them to get some great uh, retail and food suppliers or vendors there for Wilmington. That, that brouhaha is my favorite. It is a great one. <laughs> I haven't been to it yet, but I've seen pictures. It's, adorable. And it's really cute it inside. Is. <laughs> it is. Um, I'm excited that the chamber actually with Christiana Care later this year, um, we're having a networking breakfast at Avenue North because we want to bring the business community to kind of see all the development that's happening. 
an amazing project. I've seen renderings of what it's going to look like when it's done and I can't wait. I'm glad I live nearby so I can take advantage. <laughs> I mean, and the reason I brought that up is because they are trying to make that connection, live, work, play yes. for the employees and for people there as well so that we can get out and take those walks again outside, mm -hmm. but we can't do right now with the construction. I think they're trying to bring that into to Wilmington and to Delaware, which I think is much needed. I agree. Area. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to a person, Susan Kelleher at uh, Camor's company. She was on our podcast last season and we talked about um, remote work and culture. She gave me the best idea about taking walking meetings. So instead of, you know, sitting at a desk with a person or a Zoom or a phone call, uh, let's take a walk and just get out, get fresh air and and talk. Um, I thought it was the best idea. And I tell you, my coworkers and I, have implemented it and we're really loving it. So I'm going to share the idea. I think that's great. Yeah. Um, so Heather, if anyone wanted to get in contact with you, um, questions, ideas, how can they reach you? Uh, LinkedIn is probably the best way. And um, similarly, I encourage you to, to follow our Center for Work-Life Wellbeing and Christiana Care on LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Twitter. And Jackie, how can they reach you? Same thing. I think LinkedIn would probably be the best way. Awesome. Well, thank you again for joining me. I really enjoyed the conversation. So this was, this was great. great. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Conversations with Kelly, a show by the Delaware State Chamber of Commerce. If listening has sparked ideas, responses, or questions for you, reach out to me at kbasil at dscc.com. That's K-B-A-S-I-L-E at DSCC.com or send us a message on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Visit DSCC.com slash podcast for bonus content from the show. And thanks to our sponsors, Easter Seals, Christiana Mall, and US Wind, and to our production team and sponsor, Short Order Production House. Take a minute to follow and rate or review the show wherever you listen. Your support and engagement keeps these conversations going. I'm your host, Kelly Basil. We'll see you soon.